Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. In the last uh, probably eight or ten weeks, we've been going through the book of Samuel, uh, and today we're going to keep moving on to Samuel chapter 20. But before we get there, um, it used to be said that when a person gave you their word on an agreement, you could count on it. If someone actually said, you know, here's my word, they'll go ahead with it. Or when people shook hands on a deal, that would mean, that's it, I'm in. It's going to happen. I'm not going to turn back from that. Well, that's what it used to mean. It sort of still means that, but actually people aren't fulfilling their word or actually staying with that in the sense. Some people shake hands and at the same time they've got their fingers crossed behind their back or whatever and they've just got no intention of fulfilling that part of the commitment. We could ask the question here in, in some ways, whatever happened to faithful, loyal and committed relationships no matter what the cost? Well, today we're going to look at a faithful covenant relationship or friendship here between David and Jonathan uh, from 1 Samuel that demonstrates this loyalty and steadfast love between these two as they form this really deep bond um, that God has brought them together. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to go to a couple of different readings, just a reflection where David and Jonathan meet first. So in chapter 18, I'm going to read four verses from that, then we're going to skip across to chapter 20. Verses 1 to 4 in chapter 18 says this, As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armour and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And a crossover to 20. That's just the, the first initial meeting there of David and Jonathan. Chapter 20 now. Uh, then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said, before, and, and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is my guilt? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? And he said to him, Far from it, you shall not die. Behold, my father does nothing, either great or small, without disclosing it to me. And why would my father hide this from me? It is not so. But David vowed again, saying, Your father knows well that I have found favour in your eyes. And he thinks, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. David said to Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit at the table with the king. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field till the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked, Leave of me to run to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the clan. If he says, Good, it will be well with your servant. But if he's angry, then know that harm is determined by him. Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. But if there is guilt in me, kill me yourself, for why should you bring me to your father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from you, if I knew that, there was, if I knew that it was determined by my father that harm should come to you, would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me if your father answers you roughly? 
And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So they both went out into the field. And Jonathan said to David, The Lord, the God of Israel, be witness. When I've sounded out my father about this time tomorrow or the third day, behold, if he is well disposed toward David, shall I not then send and disclose it to you? But should it please my father to do you harm, the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also if I do not disclose it to you and send you away that you may go in safety. May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. And do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. And Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. Lord, we thank you that we can come to 1 Samuel 20. We ask and pray now that Holy Spirit, you'll help us to see what you're doing here and revealing to us through this glorious friendship, relationship, covenant friendship between Jonathan and David. Lord, how it is the very same thing you want us to build here within the community of Christ. Friendships, relationships where we receive your strength and help in times where we so desperately need it. Help us now to see this, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, if you had read through that whole chapter there and even the bit we just read then, you actually see this is a really highly emotionally charged chapter with, with, with what is taking place here between Jonathan and David. You actually won't see too many chapters like this in the Bible uh, with, God, with two people so invested in each other in such a deep personal friendship as we see right there. Uh, David's life, as we just saw at the start of the story, is threatened by King Saul, which is Jonathan's father, and he's on the run. He's actually just running for his life. David's done nothing wrong. Uh, simply, it's Saul is jealous of David because God has anointed or called David to be the next king. So Saul is now wanting to just take this rival out of the picture. David's got his back to the wall. He's literally running for his life. The previous chapter actually sees him fleeing from a uh, sort of following Saul. Okay, what do you do when you're in a tight spot? and you're facing really difficult circumstances in life, what do you normally do then? You look for help for assistance, don't you? I need someone to help me. I need something here. So very often you'll turn to a friend who can help you get through this challenge. And that's precisely what we see David here doing, turning to a friend. And this chapter here is all about a deep friendship that actually God has brought about here to bless and strengthen both David and Jonathan through this as they go through the difficulties that they will face. Here's where we're heading today as we think about that. Uh, God provides his help and strength to us through covenant relationships or through deep personal friendships. That is one way that God communicates his grace to us in this particular way uh, through those friendships and through those relationships. It may help there thinking, well, what does the word covenant mean when I use this word covenant? It's not a word we use too often. Maybe if you've signed a contract, you might see covenants on a contract. Um, here's what the Baker Bible Encyclopedia explains the word this way. Uh, the essence of covenant is to be found in a particular kind of relationship between persons. Mutual obligations characterise that kind of relationship. Thus, a covenant relationship is not merely a mutual acquaintance. They're not sort of just friends who just sort of pass by, but just don't make this mutual acquaintance. But a commitment to responsibility 
and to action in a covenant relationship. A key word in scripture to describe that commitment is faithfulness. Acted out in a context of abiding friendship. You might not have thought of your friendships as covenant friendships, but there's a sense there with actually that how it might happen in those deep personal friendships. So we're going to open up this idea of covenant or deep friendship here in three ways. Trust, responsibility and benefits. So it actually comes out of these deep personal uh, friendships. And all of these elements are actually shown here between David and Jonathan in this friendship that these guys uh, strike up. Okay, a primary foundation of covenant or deep friendship is got to be trust. It's got to be trust. It's a relationship that is built on trust or faith with each other. That I can confidently put my trust in you, knowing that you are here for my good and well-being, and that you're not going to let me down or sell me out. There's this trust here as I enter into this friendship. Uh, have a look here in verse 8. You begin to see that. Uh, Therefore, deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. There's a sense there I'm trusting in you on this mutual agreement as friends here that I can trust that you'll deal kindly with me in this. You won't let me down. And if you go through this chapter, you'll actually see a number of times here. It's verse 12, it's verse 16 and 17, it's verse 23, and it's verse 42. It it keeps popping up in this chapter time and time again. And each time it refers to this covenant relationship, this covenant friendship, this deep personal friendship, and it's inferring trust in our relationship here as these friends. It's built on trust. David's got his back to the wall. He desperately needs help. He feels isolated. He's alone. He's on the run. He needs to turn to someone who can help him at this time. David comes to Jonathan, who he's already connected with a couple of chapters previous, someone who will know and understand Saul, which Jonathan really should because that's his dad. He meets with Jonathan and he asks, why is your father trying to kill me? Why is this happening? What have I done to deserve this treatment? No, he's not, Jonathan says. I know my father, he's not doing that. David says, yes. He knows that you and I are close. He's just not telling you what's going on. It's really happening. He's trying to do me in. He's trying to kill me. There's a whole lot of trust happening just in that conversation there alone. This is the king's son. He's the next in line to actually take the throne. David is casting doubt on Jonathan's father, Saul. Will Jonathan remain faithful here? Can David trust him? This is the trust here that's got to be in these covenant relationships. In true, deep relationship, trust has got to be one of the most foundational markers here that must be in place for this lasting friendship to actually be of a mutual benefit to both people. There must be a level of trust that can be built between each other. If there's no trust in a friendship or a relationship like this, well, it's about as good as a wet paper bag trying to hold water. It'll just blow apart if there's no trust there. Trust has got to be that's foundational in these friendships as God brings us together. Not only is that, but in a caring relationship, there also must be a responsibility to uphold our end of that relationship. It's not just a one-way street. It's got to go both ways in these caring relationships that God wants to build into our lives. So that when we form this relationship or this friendship, there's this, I'm responsible to do all I can 
to uphold this connection that God has brought between us. I'm actually going to play my part. I'm going to be responsible to you as this friend that God has brought us together to keep the integrity here of our connection. Look at what Jonathan says there in verse 4. He says this, Then Jonathan said to David, Whatever you say, I will do for you. He's being responsible in this situation as a caring, deep and personal friend. Whatever you say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be responsible to maintain the integrity here of this relationship, of this friendship. Jonathan understands what David says about Saul and now responsibly asks, what do you want me to do? As your friend, how can I help you in this situation? What can I do here? Well, as we read there, uh, David makes a bit of a plan to test the waters here of this relationship with Saul at the particular time. There's a festive meal coming up very soon, maybe the next day, but according to the text. And David's already planned he's not going to go to the meal because he knows Saul's after him. But David wants Jonathan to go to this meal and to gauge the reaction of Saul when Saul works out that, uh, that David hasn't turned up. So this is the plan. There's going to be an empty seat. So David's got his specific seat around this table to do that. If it's a good reaction, as in Saul just sort of just doesn't notice it, it all goes by without too much fuss, that's okay. But if Saul really notices that David's not there and there's a bad reaction, well, then that'll communicate the message not only to David again, but also to Jonathan at this time. That's the plan that's going to come up. But let's not forget here about this responsibility between David and John, uh, Jonathan. Uh, this is birthed in this beautiful connection here, right back in we saw in Samuel 18, where we see that the soul of Jonathan and David is like knitted together. There's, there's this real sort of close bonding here in that. It's really like a, a bonding of love between these, uh, these guys. Now, this is not a romantic love. You may have heard perhaps some progressive liberals sometimes think that this is a homosexual relationship. Now, don't get shocked by that. Actually, some people read that into it. They say, oh, this must have been a homosexual relationship in the Bible. Not at all. This is just a deep, caring, loving relationship between two brothers. A strong friendship here that cares deeply for each other. So love is this driving factor here in the responsibility that they have for each other in this friendship. Have a look in verse 15, where this sort of conversation is taking place here between Jonathan and David. He says this, And do not cut off your steadfast love, indicating what's between them here, between Jonathan and David. From my house forever, when the Lord cuts off every one of your enemies, David, from the face of the earth. So when you, you become king, please keep your steadfast love towards me and my house. I might be gone, but please remember me. Please remember the people that come from my family. And if you go into Second Samuel, you'll actually see that he remembers Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, that's better. Try and say that quickly three times in a row. He remembers that which is Saul's son and provides for him. So he didn't, does not cut off that steadfast love. You see, here's what happens in deep committed friendships that are built on love. In this responsible love, you can count on me. I won't let you down. I will be there when you need me. Here's what Dale Ralph Davis says about this friendship here, this deep friendship in that responsible love. He says this, Its message is, In confusion and trouble, you take yourself to the one person who has made a covenant with you. In David's disintegrating world, which it really was for David at the time, there was yet one space of sanity. 
one refuge still intact. Everything else is falling apart in David's world. There's one place you can go. Jonathan. Covenant relationships there. So in living out this loving friendship in covenant, in this time of distress, David can come to Jonathan. And the beautiful thing about this steadfast love here through this responsibility of being in this friendship together, it actually leads us to the ultimate source of steadfast love that both David and Jonathan knew at this time. It is the steadfast love of God that was the foundation for this friendship and this relationship. They both were aware of God's steadfast love in their lives and they were both aware that God was preparing David for the kingship. Jonathan, the son of the king in a place that time was aware of that as well. That steadfast love in both of them from God was actually building this strong personal friendship with these guys here. Okay, so the festive meal happens and David isn't in his place. The first day goes by, doesn't really miss him. Thinks maybe there's, you know, he just couldn't make it that day. The second day comes along and Saul really says, okay, what's going on? He wasn't here yesterday, he should have been here today. Where is David? Jonathan replies to his father, he had to go to Jerusalem for family matters. And you actually see, as we saw a little bit last week then, Saul explodes in rage. It just shows you this jealousy is just sitting right on the edge in his heart and his mind. He just explodes in rage, calling his son a a perverse son of a prostitute. He just shames him in front of all these people that are gathered for this meal. And it says all these things that, you know, David's going to take over the kingdom. Don't you know that? And then Jonathan, well, what, what has he done? What sin has David done? Why would you do this? And Saul's response for Jonathan that time is to pick up the spear and actually hurl it at his son. It just shows you what's going on in Saul's heart at that time. I think now Jonathan gets the message. He may have been hidden from him before, but he now is patently aware, no, Yes, my father wants to kill uh, David. But we see something really interesting here, even in that exchange of what's taking place. Something here about this God-ordained friendship between David and Jonathan. Have a look in verse 31 there. And he says this in the middle. You'll never have your kingdom, Jonathan, while David is alive. You and your kingdom. It reflects wonderfully here upon Jonathan. He's totally okay with not having a kingdom. He, by rights, should be the next in line as the firstborn son. He's totally okay with that. Jonathan is totally submitted to God's ways and not concerned about his ways, Jonathan's ways. He could have rightfully claimed the kingdom for himself. He could have cheated on David and handed him in and got him executed. That's not Jonathan. With the steadfast love of God flowing through his life, He's totally submitted to the plan and purposes of God. Again, uh, Davis says this about this in Covenant Faithfulness. True life does not consist in securing you and your kingdom, but in reflecting Yahweh's faithfulness in covenant relationships. That's what true friendship's about. It's not about me and my kingdom. It's about reflecting The Lord's faithfulness in covenant relationship. This is what gospel friendships are all about. It's not about what's in it for me in this friendship or this relationship. It's about what can I do for you here? How can I help you see the faithfulness of God through this friendship? How can I do something that will actually help you to grow in Christ at this time? 
Well, with a carefully constructed plan of hiding out in the fields, and the whole idea is he's going to go out and do some target practice, shoot an arrow, David's going to be hiding behind, near a stone heap, and he's going to send the boy to get the arrows. This is Jonathan. And then send the boy back home. Then they're going to meet to say, hey, here's the reaction. Uh, and they do. They go out there, and Jonathan gives David the bad news. Yes, my father wants you killed. But it's in a very moving moment. Let's read that together now in verses 40 to 42 here. We just see uh, the beautiful intensity of this relationship that God's given to them. Verse 40, And Jonathan gave his weapon to his boy and said to him, Go and carry them to the city. So he's already shot the arrows. Now he's saying, Go. As soon as the boy had gone, David rose from beside the stone heap and fell on his face to the ground and bowed three times. And they kissed one another and wept with one another, David weeping the most. Can you get that picture there? Of the emotion here between these two, of actually knowing what's taking place now and this really close formed friendship? And Jonathan said to David, go in peace, because we have sworn both of us in the name of the Lord, as in this covenant between us in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord shall be between me and you and between my offspring and your offspring forever. And he rose and departed and Jonathan went into the city. That's the last time they saw each other. Just a couple of chapters later, both Saul and Jonathan are killed in the same battle. This is the last time that Jonathan and David see each other. Powerfully moving here, we just see what the Lord is doing in their lives to um, benefit them both, encourage them both, but just the reality of this friendship. We're not going to see each other again. They went in separate directions. And Jonathan's parting words is, go in peace. Go in peace. I will do all I can to look after you. Here is what covenant friendship or, or relationships are about. It's about this mutual trust. It's about this commitment, it's about this loyalty, it's about this love and this responsibility that we have for each other and with each other that God gives to us. And it's filled with benefits. It's filled with beneficial blessings in our lives. All of Samuel 20 is actually beneficial when you read through that, of what God's doing between these friends here in strengthening and encouraging each other. It's a picture here of God's providence bringing these two together and actually using each other to strengthen them as they go through this really challenging time. It's filled with benefits here that God is doing for David and Jonathan. And doesn't David need that right now when he is? He's feeling so alone. He feels like an animal being hunted down, isolated, cut off, looking for someone to encourage and help him. God gives him this deep friendship with Jonathan, someone he can trust, someone who's got his back, someone whose genuine, selfless, God-centered love will actually support him when he's feeling at his most vulnerable. What is that? That are the, They are the benefits of God's grace working in David and Jonathan's life at that time. God's preparing David for the kingship of Israel. He's teaching him here, even in this, and showing him the value and the strength of covenant relationship or covenant friendships or deep personal friendships, how important they are in our lives and that God brings them to us. Now you might say today, having all that in mind, what's happened here between David and Jonathan? Well, how does covenant relationship or friendship really have much to do with me today in that sense? How does it apply to me 
in this context where I am right now with what I'm facing? Well, the truth be known is this, that Exchange Church is a covenant community church. We're in covenant with the Lord and we're in covenant with each other. God has entered into a covenant relationship with us and that is an agreement with his people that the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ secures for us the forgiveness of our sins, the reconciliation of relationship between us and God. It secures us a hope for eternity in heaven with him, a sure hope. And to enter into that covenant, that agreement with God, is entered through uh, faith, by God's grace. Jesus calls us his friends. He called his disciples his friends. We have a relationship with Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Now, it's not the same relationship we have with each other, but nonetheless, God is still a personable God and calls us into a personal relationship with him. And the very unique thing about this covenant with God is, is that God does all the action on our behalf. He's the one that reaches out and reconciles us. He's the one that reaches out through the finished work of Christ and calls us to himself and awakens us to this glorious relationship. And as I said, we enter into that relationship by God's grace through believing who Jesus is and what he's done. This is the unique part of that covenant. God does this for us. We're covenant people. We're a covenant community trusting in Jesus. And now out of love, the love of Christ flowing in and through us, we fulfil our responsibilities to live as a covenant people, knowing the covenant that God has called us into. This means, as we live that out, this means we should be people with friendships, friendships amongst ourselves here, who are marked as loving, faithful, trustworthy, loyal, committed and honest people. And you've got to add plenty of other healthy attributes to that as well. That's what it means to be living in covenant with the Lord and with each other. If you think about that, these types of friendships, with all those attributes marked in there, become the basic idea of life, built on those aspects. People in committed friendships working for the mutual benefit of each other. That's what communities are built on. That's what communities are actually thriving through, is these connections and friendships with all those attributes. And if there's one thing that the world needs at the moment, it needs to experience these deep, committed friendships, again, marked by those characteristics. How often do you hear of people in the world today that experience unfaithfulness in relationships? They're burnt by them. People have just gone behind their back and betrayed them. You hear that story time and time again. We get this very beautiful example here that we can give of the committed, faithful, uh, covenant relationships, friendships we can live out because of the covenant-keeping God with us who's rescued and saved us. And here's probably one of the most prime places we can demonstrate these covenant relationships to the world. It's through marriage. It's through marriage. What do we do when we enter into a marriage? We enter into a marriage covenant. You've all been to weddings and you'll probably hear this. I take you to be my wife. Right there. According to God's holy ordinance, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. And to this I pledge my word. That's the marriage vows that we enter into in this covenant. We get to demonstrate that. 
as one of the prime examples here of God's love uniting us together and holding us together. Doesn't mean marriage will be easy. It'll still have its challenge, but as we experience God's covenant with us and flowing through us, it gives us the foundation to move forward to actually build that same type of faithful, loving, committed relationship. We get to demonstrate that as people of the gospel. When marriages perhaps are falling apart and falling over left, right and centre, Christian marriages can stay strong through the difficulty because we're united by this covenant. That's one aspect, but we also can do it with our friendships, both in and out of the church. Because these are prime places where we can demonstrate the covenant that God has called us into, this unique place of becoming a friend of God. And within a gospel community should be the ideal context for deep friendship to take place, both for our healing and our wholeness through what God does in us through friendships. With the gospel, shaping who we are, understanding that part of a community, I'm not here to impress anybody with a fake perception of my life. I don't need to do that. I don't need to impress somebody to sort of build a platform or a profile. I can come with safety inside a gospel community, fully acknowledging who am I? I'm a broken vessel in need of much help. And I can do that with complete safety within a community of believers. Why? Because the gospel tells me this, I'm more broken than I can ever believe. We just like to think we're only maybe broken that much sometimes. We are more broken than we can ever believe. But at the very same time, I'm more loved and loved and accepted by Jesus than I can ever possibly imagine. You might think you're loved by Jesus, but you don't know how much you really are loved by Jesus. If I've got that foundation working within me, I can go places with a relationship. God then gives me a friendship where I could be completely honest and real with somebody else. Because I've got nothing to hide once I've found that person I can build that trusted relationship with. Because what I discover is, oh, my friend's got stuff in their life as well. I thought I was the broken one. No, we're both broken. We come with that real honesty and God uses that. So in many respects, we're on the level in life, on that same platform. My friend here, my gospel friend, can be trusted here to help me through the challenges I'm going through. Why can I trust them? How can I trust them? Because they're coming from the same foundation that I'm coming from. What's their foundation? They're more broken than they could ever believe but they're also more loved and accepted by Jesus than they could ever imagine. They're coming from the very same place I'm coming from. That places me in a really safe place to be able to genuinely care for them and love them and receive the help that comes from them because we're all recipients of God's grace. I'm not some way up the ladder and they're way down the bottom. We're all on this level playing field here of the same foundation in the gospel. Jesus gives us friends to strengthen us and to build us up. What's Proverbs 17, 17 says? It says this, A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. This is what the Lord does for us. We can do this with unbelievers as well. Slightly different level of course, but followers of Jesus can put themselves out there in faithful committed friendships with unbelievers, to demonstrate here what, we, what living for Jesus looks like. I'm not going to leave you high and dry. 
I'm going to remain faithful and committed to you no matter what you're going through. Again, why do I do this? Because I'm part of a covenant community with the Lord. And I want to demonstrate that to others. I want to show them what this looks like here to be committed to the, for the long haul in these friendships. See, this is the grace of the gospel here, of the friendships that God calls us into and the community that he calls us into. It's a place of loyalty. It's a place of faithfulness. It's a place of love. It's a place of commitment. It's a place of trust. It's a place of responsibility, no matter who we are or what we're going through. God builds this for us. It's a place of safety. It's a place of truth and honesty and integrity. It's a place of sincerity, no matter what situation we're facing and no matter how much it may cost us to help other people and be invested in their lives. This is the beauty of a gospel community and gospel friendships. God calls us into this. He provides this for us. Where we can be deeply invested in other people's lives. Sure, it will take time. And you will have to upset your own agenda to do that. But it's mutually beneficial for us as we see God working through these relationships to grow us and restore us. Are you making yourself available to those sort of friendships? Or do you see a name somewhere, nah, that one won't work, nah, that one won't work, nah, that one won't work. Have you actually given it a shot to see God's grace work through that friendship? To apply that, to come with that friendship with that foundation? Lord, I'm more broken than I can ever believe, but I'm more loved and accepted by you. You're placing another person in my life who's exactly the same as me. There's no agenda driving this. We're just here to be shaped by you and to mutually benefit from each other as you work through both of us to strengthen us. We're so quick to just cross names off, not get involved. God gives us these friendships where we can do that and to receive his grace through that. I'm convinced that as the world sees this covenant community living like that, in a selfless, gospel-empowered way, people just being honest, not being a perceived fake perception, as the world sees this realness, this honesty, this gospel transformation, they'll be drawn to it. That's what they're created for, is these authentic relationships that God has with us, that we see demonstrated here between Jonathan and David. Why don't we embrace what God gives to us? Why don't we just find those friends that God's called in our life and just, just give it a shot? Just begin to open up and allow the Lord to work through that and to see the grace that he communicates into our lives to find that healing and wholeness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you as we uh, come to this passage and we just see uh, the life of Jonathan and the life of David here in this very um, deeply stressful time. God, again, we just thank you for the grace that you've shown uh, to both Jonathan and David in calling them together in this friendship. And again, Lord, you do the same thing today. In community, you place us amongst friends. Help us to find the right friends, Lord. Help us not to go out into the world to looking for gospel help, as it were. Help us to be careful who we actually choose to make these friends with. 
knowing how much these friends influence us in lives, Lord. Help us to see there's gospel friendships to be held within the gospel community. And they are there, Lord, as your means of grace, your means of strengthening us and helping us to mature and to grow. Help us to take hold of these blessings, I pray. Be willing to invest. Be willing to spend that time. Be willing, Lord, to walk with people through some really difficult stuff in their life. But to experience your blessing flow into us as we do that. Father, help us today, we pray in that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us.